part of what's going on. This morning's message, though, is one of the Lord put on my heart quite a while ago, actually, and I felt to preach it today. Um, get that time ago, and God says, this is, yeah, I've got to be going on here. So um, the title of this morning's message is Other Brother, Other Brother. Lord God, I just thank you for, and if this is too loud, just pull some volume off it. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. Um, I thank you for everybody that's gathered in the house of the Lord this morning just to, um, just to come and hear from you, but also to worship you, lift your name high. We're here because we love you. We're here because this is who we are. We're here because this is what we do. And so I thank you for each person this morning that's gathered in the house, Lord. May you speak individually to us. May something in the next 20-odd minutes speak powerfully to every single person in the room. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to share a story with you this morning. It's always bothered me. You know, if you if you haven't got spots in the Bible that bother you, you're probably not reading the book, all right? Like everyone's like, oh, it's in. No. There's a lot of stuff in there that's concerning that you can't work out. That's going, well, I don't know what's going on there. I want to read to you one of my, one of those spots in the Bible for me that's always annoyed me. You know, Jesus occasionally says some stuff that annoys me, and this is one of them. It's Luke chapter 15. I'm just going to, um, we're just going to unpack it a little bit, you know, for the sake of time. But Luke chapter 15, verses 1, we're going to start our reading there this morning. And as we go, you're going to see why this whole thing annoys me. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. That was a good thing. Um, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain. So they're complaining that people are coming to listen to Jesus. Okay, we'll roll with that. Um, because he was associating with such sinful people even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. And so I'm going to tell you the story that annoys me. This is a story that Jesus told. But before we get there, I just want to say this, that we're trying to build the church that Jesus was building 2,000 years ago. See, the big complaint they had on Jesus that anybody was welcome in church, right? And uh, I want to say this just right up front. It's not really part of the message, but you can never be too broken to be here. You can never be too out of the picture to be here. I tell you what, though, you can be too filled with judgment, you can be too filled with hypocrisy, and you can be too filled with pride to be here. But you can never be too broken. Because I reckon that's the sort of church Jesus would be trying to build in 2023. Would that be right? Anyway, so Jesus tells his story. You can read it. It's, in, it's immediately after that little spot. But I'm just going to briefly unpack it for you this morning. So what happens is, so, so these Pharisees said, Jesus, you're always eating with sinners and bad people and stuff, and that's who you seem to associate with. And Jesus didn't answer that. He just tells them this story. And so Jesus kicks into this story and he says, there was this guy. You know, every good story starts that way. There was this guy. Um, he had two sons. Anyway, one of the sons um, one day comes to the father, to this guy, he comes to the fa- his father, he says, oh, I'd really like my inheritance now, if that's okay. And I don't know what this father was thinking, but he said, yeah, mate, no worries. Now, um, we assume sort of our own property and that sort of thing. So we, we guess that what had to happen was father had to sell, you know, maybe half the farm or whatever it was to give this young fella his inheritance. So that happens, and he gives the young guy his inheritance. Now, the young guy had a little trick up his sleeve. He wanted to go on the European tour, right? He wanted to go overseas and... And uh, have a bit of fun over there. He didn't tell his dad that in advance. He just said, I want my inheritance. And his dad probably thought he was going to invest it in some really good stocks. But no, he went overseas and partied hard. So his, so the youngest son, he goes overseas and he parties hard. And um, how you spend your whole inheritance, you know, I don't know. Well, it could have took a couple of years, I don't know. But anyway, he spends the whole lot. He's got nothing left. And uh, so it's not a bit this one. But anyway, 
He spends a whole lot. And then unfortunately for him, he's like, well, no worries. I'll just get a job and we'll, we'll be cool. I actually like it over here. But what happens is um, the whole area is hit with a drought, a famine. And so there's no work because no one of the farmers got any money because there's a drought on, right? Um, so that's what happens. There's a drought on. They stop spending money in town. We're a rural economy. It just happens. And so anyway, so they're not spending any money. So this guy can't get a job. The only thing he can get to do is to feed this guy's pigs. And so he's feeding this guy's pigs now, and it says no one will give him anything to eat. So my guess is he's not on a big wage. And he's, one day he's feeding these pigs, and he's like, gee whiz, my father's servants, the guys that are like servants for my father eat a whole lot better than this. And so it sort of says in Jesus, as Jesus says in his story, and it's just a, um, it's just a, a parable, we call it a parable. Jesus made this story up. So it's just a story Jesus made up to highlight a point. So Jesus is telling this story. And this guy, he, he comes to his senses, Jesus says, and he goes, you know what? If I just went home, it'd have to be better than here. But he realizes he's really badly stuffed up. I mean, how's he going to go home? And he's lost all the inheritance. And he's actually offended his father and pretty much everybody knows. Uh, burnt all his bridges, so to speak. So he comes up with this little speech. He wants to tell his dad. He's going to ask him to forgive him and say, just treat me as a servant. Anyway, he's coming down the road and the father sees him coming. And the father runs out and he meets because he's son. He hasn't seen him for so long. And he meets him and he hugs him and gets some really cool clothes and some jewelry. And then he turns to the father, turns to his servants and he says, look, let's go and let's, let's have, let's put on a big party. And they're going to kill the, the prize cow that won a prize or something at the show. And so it's all happening. And this is, this is what happens. And so a lot has been discussed about this parable, written about this parable over the years. It's probably one of Jesus' most famous stories ever told, this parable. And what people often concentrate on specifically is the love of the father because here this young guy, he's, he's offended his dad, he's treated his dad cheaply, um, but he sort of dashed all his father's hopes for him as well. Like his father was kind of hoping probably he's going to be this really great business person just like he was and he's squandered it all. But the father's love for this younger son is completely unwavering. It's unchanging. There was no different from the day he asked for his inheritance to this day, right? Um, so we know that's God the Father. And, and Kenny talked about that a little bit around communion this morning. You're always welcome. That's God the Father. That's who we know as God. So sometimes we get in our little heads that we did something wrong and now God doesn't love us anymore. Well, that's not how God rolls. And Jesus told this story to prove that point. All right, so Jesus himself tells the story. The younger son, who's that? Who's the youngest son in the story? The guy who squandered everything. Well, the youngest son is us when we think we know better. The youngest son is us when we reject God's will for our lives because the father was kind of hoping he'd do something cool with that inheritance and he just wasted it. And that's us when, when we know, well, God's will would be for me to do this, but I'm going to do this over here. So that's when we're the youngest son. The youngest son is us when we say, I know God wants this for me, but... I know this says in the word of God this, but God doesn't know my circumstance. We're the youngest son every time we make that choice. But I mentioned earlier there's this older brother, right? The man had two sons. That's how Jesus starts the story. This man had two sons. So who's the older brother? Who's he? What is he? What is his story? And that's what I want to dig into today. I want to talk about the other brother, the other brother. I want to look at him. I want to find out who he represents and work out why he responded as he did. So let's pick up his story now in Luke chapter 15 and verses 25. The guys are going to throw it on the screen for me. 
the other brother. Let's have a look at his story. Meanwhile, so this is just after the start of the party, right? I mean, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house. Now, no one went out and told him. He's on the tractor and nobody came and said, mate, we're having a party. You can understand this guy's attitude. Anyway, 26. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Keep going, yeah. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And his father came out and begged him. But he replied, this is the older brother, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, this son of yours, by the way, comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And his father said, and look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. Now, if you, if you haven't heard this story before, you would realize well, I've got a problem with it, right? His poor old brother didn't even get invited to the party. And as a bit of a disclaimer before I get too deep into this, I want to tell you that I can really relate to this older son. So I'm coaching a basketball team at the, mo- at the moment, down the 15th basketball side in local comp. The very first thing I tell them in training is this. I tell them, if you, or well, as you sort of say it more this way, don't complain about the amount of court time you're getting if you're not putting in the hard work off the court. I tell them, if you want to walk a training, you will find yourself sitting on game day, right? Because God rewards hard work, right? Don't complain if if you're not reaping the rewards, if you're not putting in the work. All of life is like that. All of life. They don't teach you that anymore for some reason. But life rewards hard work. God ordained it that way. He designed it that way. That's why it says in Proverbs, if a man shall not work, he shall not eat. Proverbs speaks very harshly about the lazy person. Read it for yourself. God designed men, particularly, with an inbuilt sense of accomplishment. They need a sense of accomplishment. They need to get to the end of the day and go, well, that's what I did today. That's how blokes are designed, right? So that's why when men are out of work for a long time, whether it's by choice or sometimes it's not by choice, reasons outside their control, it's always going to affect their mental health. It always does. You know, Talk to any health professional. Previous generations called this, you know what they used to call this? Not, not mental health stuff, but what they used to call his hard work attitude. It used to be called the Christian work ethic. The Christian, well, you would remember that. The Christian work ethic. Working hard is biblical. When you're lazy at work or school, you don't rob your employer or your teacher. You rob yourself. That's how life is, right? If you think, oh, I can get away with being a bit slack here or being a bit lazy there, you're not robbing your teacher or your employer. You're actually robbing yourself. Laziness robs you. Anyway, so here we have this youngest son, right? He's walked out on everything. Now, not that he worked for, that everybody else worked for, right? He didn't build that inheritance. Someone else built it. So what he's done is he's taken some resource that other people have worked hard for, and he's wasted it. He's treated it cheaply. And when he gets home, his father pats him on the back, you have a problem with this story. You're not thinking it through. I struggle with this, right? And so the obvious truth that Jesus didn't bother to unpack, and I've actually never heard anyone speak about this before, but the obvious truth Jesus didn't bother un- in, to unpack is that as much as the father loved 
the youngest son without condition. That's a, that's given. And the young, but the youngest son, this he was never getting his inheritance back. When was the last time you heard that preached? He wasn't getting it back. It was gone. He had made choices that were going to affect him and his descendants for the rest of his life. Interesting, isn't it? Now, Jesus didn't unpack that. That's a given. That's obvious. That's obvious. He was forgiven. He was loved. He was welcomed. But what he had done could not be undone. Now, the grace of God to forgive us our stupidity is a beautiful thing, right? It is. That's what this guy had been. He'd been just been stupid. Let's be frank. Let's talk about it how it is. And God's grace to forgive us is beautiful, but never use it as an excuse to violate God's perfect will for your life because there's consequences. Anyway, that's enough about the guy that we're always talking about. I want to talk about the older brother, right? I just need to feel that needed to be said. The guy that stayed home, the guy that did the right thing, the guy that his father said, hey, you've always been beside me, right? So that's what the, guy, the father said. He was the guy actually increasing his father's net value. Know anything about farming? This guy's at home probably clearing the scrub and picking sticks and doing fencing and maybe building a, farm, building a shed. He's increasing his father's inheritance. That's what this guy, the other brother, the older brother, that's what he's doing. The guy, he turned up every day, no matter how tired he was. He just turned up because that's who he was. This is the other brother. So what's his story? Who is he in the story? Who's the other brother? I'll tell you who the other brother is. The other brother is the church. The other brother, I'm just going to read these. The other brother is the dude who's been on host team for five years in a row. The other brother has been playing in the worship team here every week for almost a quarter of a century. The other brother is in Life Kids, forgotten, out there somewhere, out of sight. The other brother spends hours editing our countdown timer advertisements just for people to say they don't know what's happening in the church. The other brother is the people that comment on our Facebook just to get it to turn up on more pages. The other brother runs the youth group. He does the administrative tasks I don't want to do. The other brother turns up to their life group even if they don't think anyone's coming. That's who the other brother is. That's how the father described the other brother. The other brother's cooking you a meal out of their own small weekly budget after working 40 hours this week. That's who the other brother is. The other brother is the church. The other brother is keeping this thing going. The other brother is someone with real skin in the game. Because if that doesn't bother you, you haven't got any skin in the game. If it doesn't bother you that someone squanders their entire inheritance, you've got no skin in the game. You don't care because you're not investing, right? You're not part of it. The other brother doesn't talk a big game. He brings it every week. The other brother is the good guy. He's a legend. But the other brother got it wrong. The other brother is getting quiet. The other brother got it wrong. So how did he get it so wrong? I would suggest this. The other brother lost sight of why he was doing the things that he was doing. He was doing it for the family. You think about it. He was turning up to work every day, work on the farm, increasing the value. Like I said, doing the things. Why is he doing that? He's doing that for the family. He's doing that for his family. He's doing it for his dad's family. He's doing it for family. He's there for family. That's the only reason you would do it. If you're doing it for money, you can knock yourself on the head and think about it again. Money doesn't cuddle you at night. Money doesn't care. Family cares, right? 
So in that moment, the other brother, in all his self-righteousness, aligns himself not as a disciple of Jesus, but as a Pharisee. And that's what Jesus was talking about at the start. That's why he told the story. Because he said, hey, there's some brothers aligning themselves with the wrong things here. And he tells this story, and you can't help but understand that the other brother in that moment aligns himself, not as a disciple, but as a Pharisee. He becomes judgmental. Here's a thought for you. This is a life hack. Once you start noticing the specks in the eyes of those around you, it's a very slippery slope. You know, they said, you know, take the log out of your own eye before you pull the speck out of someone else's. Why is it, though? I'm going to unpack this for you. Because after that starts happening, after you start becoming unjudgmental and starting noticing the specks in other people's eyes, this is what happens. Pride comes in, doesn't it? Well, I'm better than that person. I'm better than my younger brother who went over to Europe and wasted all his money. Pride. Now, pride is probably one of the biggest enemies you have, but pride gives birth to what I believe is, is, is worse still. And pride will always give birth to this. Pride gives birth to what I call, well, not what I call, pride gives birth to this thing, this horrible, ugly child called entitlement. Start getting judgmental. Start getting full of pride. As soon as you do that, the very next baby that's going to be born is entitlement. Or I should be getting the party. Where's my goat? Entitlement is a child of pride and has more scalps than I care to remember in spiritual things. As, and here's why. Here's why. As soon as you become entitled, catch this, this is really key. You probably haven't heard this preach before. As soon as you become entitled, you distance yourself from grace. And to be honest, on this planet, that's the scariest place you can be. It's distance from grace. See, the other brother... Lost sight of grace. Yeah, that's obvious to us. Christians, if you've been around for a while, you'd work it out. He's lost sight of grace. But I don't mean the grace of God that brings forgiveness. We talked about that. That's not the grace he's missing. No, no, the grace he's missing. I'll tell you the grace he's missing. The grace he's missing is he's lost sight of the fact that everything that's on his life is grace. That's a life-changing thought. That's where I'm learning it. That's why I'm preaching it. Because here's the thing. Think about his life for me. Let's pull back. Let's, let's talk about the other brother. He didn't ask to be born into such a rich family, did he? No, it's just grace. He didn't ask to have a father that loved him unconditionally, did he? It was grace. He didn't ask to be taught a strong work ethic, did he? It's grace. So he thought it was all him. He Everything he had was by grace, and he'd lost that. He'd lost that. He'd forgotten who he was and where he had come from, and because of that, he was prepared to be judgmental towards other people and feel like he was entitled to more than them. The other brother. You are here by grace this morning. It's only grace. I don't care how smart you are or anything else about you or where you were born or anything else. You are here by grace. Jesus invaded or wants to invade your world by his grace, right? And there's probably no, I've already said this, but there's probably no more dangerous state on the planet to be an entitled Christian. 
Because honestly, if you think about that, you dwell on that, you go, hey, wait a minute. I'm as far from Jesus as it's possible to get the moment you feel entitled, the moment you can judge others. Because that means you don't understand grace. And what was Jesus about? Grace, forgiveness, taking you back, forgiving you for all the horrible, stupid, dumb things you do like I do. In fact, I would say the most immature position you can take in life is that of entitlement. That's an immature position. And we see it tearing our country apart right now, don't we? Everywhere. Everywhere, from, from little kids all the way through. It's entitlement. You think about it. Where's it come from? It comes from pride. The other brother became bitter because he forgot his own story. The church is in a dangerous place when we forget where we came from and then we start to apply standards to the other people that we can't even keep ourselves. That's what being judgmental looks like. I've got that letter. Imagine the father's grief when the son that stayed, his right-hand man, he talks about it. He couldn't celebrate with his own brother. What would that do to the father's heart? How is the father feeling when he's begging and pleading with his, his right-hand man? He said, mate, you've got to get in there. And he can't do it. How would that make the father feel? Imagine his grief. Nothing grieves your heavenly father more than those that are so lost they choose to speak divisively about the bride of Christ. Why was the other brother so upset? We talked about it, so we talked about his response and we talked about you know what the younger brother did. But it's deeper than that. That's this. This, this, this is helpful. It's deeper than that. It's deeper than it's not a see, if I get upset about what you did, it's not about you, it's about me, right? Well, you know, how does that affect me? It doesn't, right? So there must be something that affects me. There must be something in this story where the other brother, he wasn't just about somebody else, he was about himself, right? Think about it. Why was he so upset? Because the younger brother who'd wasted half of his father's inheritance was now home. His father had put a ring on his finger and put a, put a shirt on his back and now it looks like the inheritance is going to get split again. Why is he so upset? He feels like he's about to lose. He feels like he's about to lose. Less inheritance, less for him. He's going to have less. So he's angry. Apply that to the last judgmental statement you heard somebody say about somebody else. It's all about whoever's speaking, trying to feel bigger, right? You don't want to lose. That's why you speak ill of others. Which brings me to the antidote for being bitter, disconnected, and judgmental. Are you glad we're getting to the good part? Oh, dear. In the church, we are church. That's why we preach this stuff. What's the antidote to that? Because that's an easy place to find yourself. Like I said, I, I gravitate towards the other brother. I hear the story and I go, he's right. So what brings me to the antidote? What's the antidote for being bitter, disconnected, judgmental, speaking ill of others who are just doing their best? We really don't understand what I'm about to say. I'm not going to say that I fully can grasp this, to be frank. But I reckon if we could just get this thought, we just, if we just somehow go, I just need to get there. If we get this, 
we truly would be that church for the unchurched that we desire to be. The penny would drop for us on why a good, what the good shepherd, a good shepherd, see Jesus actually said a good shepherd leaves 99 and goes after the one. Right, you pass to that letter. A good shepherd leaves 99 and goes to one. What, if we get this, if we get this, we'll understand what a good shepherd is. To search out. Friends, what did the father say? Can you remember? What did the father say to the other brother? What did he say? We're going to throw it up in just a second. See if you can remember. Because it's the antidote to everything. If we can get a revelation of what the father says here, everything changes. Striving changes. A works mentality drops off. Being judgmental and speaking ill of others like these Pharisees were, it disappears. Throw it up for me. His father said to him, Look, dear Jesus, sorry, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. That's the other brother. Everything. I have is yours. Everything God the Father says to you this morning, dear son, the daughter, everything I have is yours. He doesn't say you can earn it. He say you can work for it. He doesn't say you can do this. It's all. Ready, yours. So why was the other brother so upset? Because he was standing in everything he'd ever wanted. Didn't have a clue. Blissfully unaware of what he had access to, even though he was turning up for work every day. Everything I have is yours. Have you ever wondered why you go out drinking and you don't know what? Have you ever wondered why you're so promiscuous? Have you ever wondered why you're gossiping about people? Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered? You're not a bad person. You're just the other brother. You're just the other brother. You just don't know what you got at your fingertips. You're trying so hard, but you keep grabbing for things that aren't, you don't need. You keep grabbing for things that, that, that aren't even there. You do the things you do because you don't realize that everything God has is at your disposal. You're the other brother. I've repeated a phrase numerous times this year, and it's really connected. I think it was first coined by the great theologian Timothy Keller, but God has more resources. This is the story of the other brother. God has more resources for what you are trying to do than anywhere else. Because all I have is yours. Stop striving. Every need you think you have, he can meet. Stop thinking you know better. He already knows where you should be. Stop stressing and worrying about the things you can't control. God's in control, right? Just start walking into what he's called us to. So, hey, you know what? See that guy over there? He's having a party. Great. I'm walking in my inheritance. I'm walking every day in my inheritance. What's God called us to do? What does the Father say? 
come inside, celebrate with me. Get to know me and celebrate what I celebrate. Would you stand with me this morning? Other brothers. I'll say this to you this morning. We're going to finish with a worship song. I'm just going to pray. Um, we're going to finish with a worship song. And then we've got about know, half an hour and we'll have the AGM happening in, in the auditorium. But I would say this morning that there is definitely hope for the other brother. That hope. So maybe it's in you this morning. You're like, ah, oh, I don't know what God's saying. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know why I'm constantly in this, in this space. Now, here's the thing. Everything that you need, you already have access to. See the other brothers stay. I don't, we don't actually know what happened after that. But other brothers, this morning, I would encourage you, just go inside. Join the party. It's much more fun in there. Well, Jesus, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the fact that, you know, you, you have this word for us. You, um, you, you love us and you, you, you desire us, Lord God, and, and, and you desire that other brother just as much as the younger brother. It's no different in your eyes. And even the choices that we make, Lord God, when we don't get what you're about because your ways are so much higher than that. When we see, when we read a story like that, and we go, the other brother was so ripped off. Instead of looking at it and go, hey, the other brother is going to inherit the entire farm. Help us to see life through that lens. Well, God, help us to see life through the lens that you see life. Help us to embrace the grace that you have for us. And, Lord God, let us just have an, if nothing else from this morning's message, we have an increased awareness of the grace that's on our life. We have an increased awareness of your love for us. We have an increased awareness that no matter where we are, we are right in the palm of your hand. And, Lord, I thank you for that. That's a grace that none of us deserve or ask for. But Lord Jesus, we pray, remind us of that daily. Remind us of the things that you've placed in our world and help us to remove our focus from the things that we don't understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.